0: A tough act to follow. Derek Tennant and Marty, together. You know, I I'm sitting here chewing on this and and just thinking all this through. And the first thing I feel is a little ashamed. Anybody else feel a little of that? <laughs> yeah. And I uh, I know Derek has a sister that's Down syndrome, correct? And she was there at the table with us, and. Uh, talking to Derek in the first 15 minutes of the conversation, listening, watching, I did not realize that he had uh, any kind of a malady, and the more of we talked, and he he tells me that he travels the world, he doesn't live anywhere, he travels the world, and he yes, he does motivational speaking, he does some comedy, but then he works in mission spots wherever he can, wherever he can begin. and. Echoing Hills has become one of those spots for uh, the last six years, Marty, right? So uh, I don't know. It's a challenge to us, isn't it? Maybe we got to have Derek Tennant. Can we do an evening with Derek Tennant? Huh? Might be a good thing. we got to check and see when he'd be available. Have an evening. I'm tempted not to go into First Timothy this morning. Uh I didn't say I was tempted enough to do it, but I'm tempted. Let's, let's start there. And I'm kind of taken back, um, challenged by the Troyers and the ministry, and my, my mind goes still. I'm still thinking of children getting their food from the dumps, and that's their lifestyle. And then I'm thinking of a man who had committed his life, and you see the campers there. And uh, th- not only are the campers helped, and of course, the Lord Jesus has lifted before them. but think of the caregivers that this may be, in some cases, the only week of respite that they have during the year. And is is that a valid ministry and and providing for those people? Hmm. Let's pray. Lord, we are reminded that you care for the least of these. No one escapes you, escapes your love, escapes your passion. And when we see the pictures of these folks who in their simplicity hear of you, and many of them trust you, uh, they love you with all that they are. Lord, I, I listen to Derek, and I see what you can do with a man who's committed to you. And I give you thanks. Lord, thank you. Uh, Thank you for the way he speaks into our lives. And, Lord, for us, as we go into your word, we don't want to do this as just an exercise. Uh, We want to hear from you this morning. Uh, This isn't something that we just do. It's something that we do to hear from you. So, Lord, speak to us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I'm going to go pretty fast. because. We're a little bit shorter on time than normal, but I'm going to shoot to be done at a regular time. Can you guys listen fast? Paul, can you listen fast? Okay. All right. Let's begin by reading uh, First Timothy, the last section, chapter 6, verses 11 through the end, First Timothy 6. But as for you, O men of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, I have to pause there long enough. I'm not going to say anything about it later. I'm not sure what good confession he's talking about. It was either at his baptism. Which is a confession of trust in the Lord Jesus, or perhaps when he was ordained to go uh, out as a missionary, and and particularly to work in the church at Ephesus. I'm not sure which, and it may be all the above, because there were several times when Timothy would have made a public profession of his faith. I charge you in the verse 13. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things. And of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, he who is blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor in eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I have to stop there too. Have any of you been following the situation in Venezuela at all? Um, it's very hard to track what's happening down there because it's it's so, moving so fast. It's so dynamic. But the the price of a loaf of bread right now, I've read this week, is doubling every four or five days. So if a loaf of bread is a dollar today, it's two dollars by next Wednesday or Thursday the the inflation rate if you can get your mind around this the inflation rate has been around 2,000 percent uh, this year um, I looked it up this morning just trying to get I, because I've been kind of watching it and uh, the the dollar right now is at uh, uh, compared their dollar which uh, I've forgotten what they call it Anybody remember? It's it's uh, an unusual name for a dollar. It slipped my mind. But their dollar right now is such a small fraction of our dollar that it's almost inexpressible. At one point, I think it was about six cents to the dollar or something like that a year or so ago, which isn't very good. But now it's a fraction of that. And it takes 100,000 of their dollars to make 50 cents. Now, you just think about that a while. Uh, That's what's happening in Venezuela. And when I read this passage, my mind went to that immediately. Don't trust the uncertainty of riches. That's happened in many countries around the world. I was in Eastern Europe right after it happened there when the currency collapsed, and it took a stack of money. Son Eric remembers this, a stack of money to buy anything. And th- so the currencies, we think we're pretty solid in the U.S. Well, we've been very stable. But if you're counting on the dollar, if you don't hear anything else, stop it. Don't count on the dollar, right? Because it's not worth much. It's only worth as much as the good faith and confidence in our government. And I'll quit there. All right, let's keep reading. So don't trust in... Don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Then look at verse 18. They're to do good. This is talking about people who have resources. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. We saw some illustrations of that this morning. 19, thus storing up treasure for themselves, as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Then finally, grace be with you, And might I add that 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 you at the end of that is plural. So he's closing the letter by saying grace be with you all. And maybe I'd just say amen and quit there. Grace is a great word. Great word. I think we use it too little. Uh, I enjoy the grace of God just being here. And I'm thankful for grace. Are you thankful for grace? All right. Let's go back and look for a few minutes. You know the... You can't resist as you read this, and many people have done this. In that first section, there are three words that jump right out at you. The first, he says, for you, O man of God, flee these things. If if you had the Apostle Paul writing to you, and he said to you, O man or O woman of God, do these. First of all, that, that phrase, O man of God, how would it impress you? If Paul was calling you a man of God, would it be a little humbling, you think? Would it be a little motivating? Would it be both the above? And, and I think when the Lord looks at us today, he would say, but to you, O men and women of God. That's the way he wants to address this. And then throughout this, he talks about our God-likeness. Godliness is God-likeness so we are the representatives of the Lord Jesus on earth. That's who we are. To you, O oh man of God, O oh woman of God, to you. The first thing he says is flee these things. Now, he doesn't spell out the things here, but throughout the letter, he's, he's told Timothy some things to run from, to flee from. The word flee means just what you think, run. A few weeks ago, David and I, my son, were in Pennsylvania. And as we went up this path, we saw bear tracks, and we're a mile and a half, two miles from the car up this hillside, and you can be sure that uh, we had our eyes peeled, and we were ready to flee because we knew there was danger there. It's the same idea. Be ready to run. Flee when you see these things. Here some of the things he's, he's told them to flee. Flee any attitude or action that dishonors God. Get away from it. Flee it. We saw that last week a little bit. Stay away from conversations, argumentative conversations, anything that dishonors God. Unwholesome words, he uses that phrase. You know what that's like. When the conversation twists, get away from it. Flee that kind of conversation. Don't have unwholesome words in our vocabulary. Uh, flee wrong teaching. We saw that at the beginning of the book. When teaching is not Build up, extol the virtues of the Lord Jesus, flee it. Uh, flee the love of money. We've seen that over the last couple of weeks. So there's, there's lots of things in our, in our life we need to flee. Um, Paul told people to flee many things. He said, flee sexual immorality, flee idolatry, uh, here, flee the love of money. But it, it, that's, that's a common phrase in his life, and I think it's a good word for us to hear. Sometimes we just need to run, and we need a predisposition for that. Uh, I, I think that at the beginning I used the word priority, and we need to establish it as a priority. We're going to run from things that are destructive to us spiritually. We're going to get away from them. So that's the first word, flee. I didn't insert it. It's there. The second one, he says, is pursue. Now, I use the word follow because it's an F. And I wanted to use three Fs, no other reason. So we've got that out of the way. But to follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, gentleness. You know what this sounds remarkably like? Sounds much like the fruit of the Spirit. Some of these directly parallel the fruit of the Spirit. And and these are the things we're to follow after. But notice, and we're going to see this in just a second, but notice that these things are bound up in a person. So it's not just what we follow. It's who we follow. And that's where the heart of this is. That's where the heart of the appeal is, is who we follow. Then notice in verse 12, there's another F there. Fight the good fight of the faith. Christians sometimes fight who? They, they put a person in there, but that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is fight against those things that will pull you away from the Lord Jesus. It's not a who, it's a what. You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes there might be a person involved, but we can identify a person and want to fight with them. That's not a good fight. A good fight is What? Jesus saves, okay? I'll fight that fight, will you? Jesus saves. Jesus is Lord. I'll fight that fight. Uh, Jesus is coming back. Uh, You know, I'll fight that fight. We're going to see that in a second. So there are certain things that we'll go to battle over. But I'm not going to fight Marty because he says something different. We're going to contend for the issue. Uh, And I think that's an important distinction. Let's not fight against people. Let's, let's fight for truth. So man of God, woman of God, first flee, then follow, and then fight. Now, I think in the verses to follow, what he gives us is some ammunition, some practical helps that will enable us to do this. And so I broke them down into just a couple things here that, that helped me as I went through it. And I'm going to work through the verses to follow very quickly, but, but stay with me. The first one, I think, is remembering where we came from. He says, Timothy, remember that good confession of faith that you made. Think back a moment. In the fall of 1960, I know most of you weren't born then, but in the fall of 1960, in a little church after hearing the gospel just a few times I went yeah I went right up front in the church did it in the old fashioned way and uh, I bowed my heart and mind to the Lord Jesus and I knew I needed to be saved I, I just knew that I needed to be saved and I believed at that moment that Christ died for my sins and I've gone back to that confession in my mind many times I can still see it in my mind. Have I been perfect since then? No, oh, absolutely not. Have I faltered for a time or two? Sh- yeah, yeah, I have. But I still can know, and there's something about being able to go back to that good confession. And you know, here's a place to start, folks. Think about right now, right this moment, because this is the important. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you said, Jesus, I believe that I've sinned, I've done wrong. And if you don't believe that, let me just talk to you a few minutes afterward. We can talk about that. I bet I can make you mad in a minute. Uh, but, But, Jesus, I know I've done wrong. And I believe, with all that I am, that you died for my sin. And if you can do that right now, that's the important moment. I, I don't know that it's so important that you identify a point in history, while there would have been a point in history for the new birth. The, the important moment is this moment right now, right? The important moment to know that you have trusted the Lord Jesus as Savior is this moment, the moment we're standing in. And so you need to be sure of that, just a little group. Incidentally, this is a little group. We've had two or three little groups here. We need to make sure we get our friends out here. Uh, But we we need to be sure at this moment that that that's true of us. So when Timothy's mind goes back at, at Paul's reminder, he can go back to that moment. I don't know when it was. He doesn't tell us exactly. But he can also go back to the time when he expressed that faith through his baptism. He can go back to the time when the Lord sent him out into ministry. And so he has these moments of confession he can go to. But then there's something else that follows that. Not only do we, do we need to look back to remember our own confession, uh, but we need to remember who it is we follow. And this is the heart of this whole message who it is we follow, and look at the things that are said about him. And let me just, you look at verses 15 and 16, and I'm just going to kind of enumerate some of the things that are said about the Lord Jesus. Uh, Follow with me, verse 15 and 16. Why would anybody want to follow Jesus? Well, let me give you some reasons. First of all, he's coming back. Right at the beginning, verse 15, which he will display at the proper time. One of these days, Jesus is coming back. I believe that. But do I believe that, that Jesus is coming back? John, do we struggle sometimes with that? Yeah, we do. We struggle with it sometimes. We we believe it intellectually. We believe it theologically. But we may not believe it practically. Could Jesus come today? He, do we believe that and if so would it impact our today? Oh, I think so. Now we don't know. I'm not you didn't hear me say he's coming today. I don't know when he's coming. In fact, he didn't know when he was coming when it, when the scripture was written, he wasn't sure. But one of these days you're going to see all of his attributes unfolded. And look what it says about him. He is the blessed and only sovereign He alone is sovereign. The old King James used the word potentate. I like the word. Don't know what it means, but I like the word. Potentate, great word. It speaks of strength. It speaks of power. And Jesus is sovereign. God is sovereign. Whether you believe it or not, God is sovereign. And God is sovereign over our lives. God is sovereign over eternity. He's sovereign. He alone is in control. Should we worship him? Should we follow him? Yes, because he's coming back, and because he's sovereign. But look on, he is. He says, "The King of Kings, the King of all who would say that they're King, and the Lord of all who would say they're Lord." Do you know there's a guy in North Korea who thinks he's God? Me, well, he does. And the people there uh, better acknowledge him as God, Little G. I don't know what's in his mind. Uh, I don't know if he knows what's in his mind, but but this guy thinks he's God. Well, there is a king of kings and a lord of lords that he answers to, whether he thinks so or not. His dad knows. His grandfather knows because they, too, thought they were gods. Caesar, in the day when this was written, thought he was God, and he found out that there is a king of kings and lord of lords, and it's not him. It is Jesus Christ. And so what have we seen? Well, one of these days he's coming back. He is sovereign. He's king of king, lord of lords. And then look at verse 16. He alone has immortality. You want to live forever? Then you better be connected to him. You want to live forever with him? better be connected to him because he alone controls immortality. Uh, No one else can say that. You can't say it and I can't say it. But the Lord can say it. And then it says he dwells in unapproachable light. You know, when I see that, I'm not sure of all that that means. But when I see light, I see perfection. And I see all of God's perfections in his light. When, When we look. And, and right now, as we're looking in our hearts to the Lord Jesus, what we should see is his perfection. We, this morning in our ABF, had a, a good conversation, uh, I thought. We were talking about the attributes of God a little bit. We were talking about you can't uh, personify God in any one attribute. In other words, you can't say God is love and stop there, because God is much more than love. You can't say God is just and stop there because God is much more than just. You can't say God is holy and stop there because God is much more than holy. You can't say God is just light and stop there because God is much more than light as we see it. God in his perfections, everything that is good and right has its origin in him. That's where it all starts because he is right because by definition he is good. And so anything good emanates from His person. So when I see light, I just see all of His perfections. Uh, I see Him in his, in his holiness. I see Him in His love. I see Him in His justice. I see Him with all that He is. And so I ask again: Is there reason enough to follow Him here? I think so. I think so. He's He's eternal. He's powerful. He's holy. He's all of these things, and there's reason enough to follow him. And, you know, you you wonder, can we say at the end of verse 16 with Paul, to him be honor and eternal dominion, amen. Just a little word of praise after he contemplated the person of Jesus, you know. To him be honor, not to me, not to you, but to him be honor and eternal dominion, control, a look at Paul's last words to Timothy in verse 17 and following. First thing he says is to instruct or charge. Verse 17, the middle part, we use the word charge. Other translations will use the word instruct. Tell people, warn people not to trust in anything other than the Lord. You know, I think as we've gone through 1 Timothy... Real quick recap, what we've seen is that, first of all, the church is not about a building. Have you seen that? I hope you have. The church is about everything but a building. It's about truth. It's about uh, professing the Lord Jesus in a lost world. It's about representing him. It's about trusting him. It's about everything but a building. It's about people. It's about us. It's about us coming to love the Lord Jesus as we come to know Him, and then going out into the world to communicate Jesus to others. That's what the church is about—not buildings, not programs. Programs are fine, as long as they help to support that uh, purpose of Christ's church, is to represent we are His body on earth. So instruct those, he says. Don't, don't. Uh, Teach them to be arrogant, rather instruct them not to be arrogant. Teach them not to be condescending, not to trust in riches. Then, then as you see, uh, verse 18, I, I think I said this last week. The we way to love God, love people, use money, right? Not use people, use God, and love money, but the other way around. They're to do good, to be rich in good works. Use their money. You know, one of my pet peeves over the years has been when churches have great big bank accounts. That just bothers me. I know of a church right now, struggling little church in a community, and I've heard, I won't tell you what it is, I've heard that they have a million dollars in the bank. Shame on them for having a million dollars in the bank. Why in the world isn't it invested in kingdom work, right? Right? why would you want a million dollars in a bank as you're faltering, you know why they're faltering as a church? Because they have a million dollars in the bank, that's one of the reasons, and and we need to invest our resources, you know our whole life is bound up in Christ, and we need to invest our resources, now of course we should have some money put back for emergencies, I'm not suggesting although I'm not sure that Mr. Tennant has much put back, I don't know but he's dedicated his entire life. Good illustration of this: to just serving the Lord. So, instruct those people not to trust, but to use their goods. Then, that at the end, uh, guard the deposit that's entrusted to you. Guard it. The most valuable treasure you have. What is it? Think about it a second. Just think. What's the most valuable treasure? That you have. Is it in a safe? Uh, is it on on a, some acreage? Maybe. Is it what What's the most valuable? Is it parked in the driveway? What is it? What's the most valuable treasure you have? What is the most valuable treasure that you have? Somebody tell me. Jesus, that's right. You can say it in a. And we need to guard that. And that's the final word that he gives to Timothy. Timothy, guard that which was entrusted to you, that deposit. And then avoid the nonsense. Avoid things that are falsely called knowledge. Then that last word. Grace be with you. Amen. And so what will we say this morning? Grace be with you. It's time to quit. I'm two minutes over. Two questions. Two questions I think grow out of this. They grow out of my mind. The first is, am I a follower of Christ? And I think that's a question we should always ask ourselves. Am I? Uh, can someone address me as a man of God, a woman of God? Am I a follower of Christ? First question. And then secondly, does he determine the priorities for my life? Is is that the Lord I'm seeking to establish my priorities. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for a young man named Timothy. I thank you for a man named Paul. I thank you that you moved the Apostle Paul to write to Timothy. And and out of this letter, there's so much for us, uh, things for us to learn, and even the, the way to establish priorities for our life that we would flee from those things that are destructive to our faith, Uh, that we would follow you and then follow truth as it emanates from you. And, Lord, we would fight against falsehood, that we would fight against those who would deny you and pull people away from you. And, Lord, because of who you are, because you alone control immortality, because you alone are sovereign, because you alone control our eternity, Lord, you're worthy of following. But more than that, in your perfections, in your light, there is love, love enough that you'd go to a cross for us. I can't understand that. I can only thank you that at a moment in time, you became sin for me, you who knew no sin, that I could be made righteousness of god in you thank you lord for that we love you and we give you thanks in jesus name